I want to read a couple verses out of Hebrews chapter 6. It says, Therefore, we must progress beyond the elementary instructions about Christ and move on to maturity, not laying again this foundation again of repentance from dead works and faith in God, teaching about ritual washings, or some translation have baptism, laying on of hands, resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. I was looking at that laying on of hands and I'm going, elementary teaching? When, it, when have we gotten any teaching on that? I can tell you as long as I've been here, <laughs> not. So what does it mean? You know, if this is the basics, maybe we should spend some energy on that. And if we've lost an understanding of what it is, we should ask the Lord to give us insight into what that's all about. I think intuitively, there's an understanding that goes with our hands. They're, they're, they represent a lot in our lives. And I mean, if you look at your hands right now, what do you see? Some of you are going, time for new nail polish. Uh, some of you are going, yeah, that never did heal right. Or there's scars left over or knobs from tools that just kept grinding away. Calluses. What do you see? But beyond that, your hands also represent kind of your activity of life, right? And they can represent the job that you have. Um, they can also be the same hands that make a fist or a slap, can be the hand that has compassion. You have to choose, right? But then there's a, an extension of that that goes even beyond that has a, a spiritual implication, and that's what the Scripture kind of was referring to in this moment. So I want to go after this for just a bit. Um, in, our, in any culture, hands have always, our phrasing and our metaphors and, all, and uh, euphemisms, they, they are all connected with this. And so, you know, how many things can you come up with? <laughs> hands on. Well, that means you're involved in something, right? Hands off. Step away. Off hand is like... Well, that's another whole different thing, right? Hands up. Hands down, the best thing possible. Handshake. <laughs> Handful, hand out. Clap your hands, shake your hands, raise your hands, hands at your sides, right hand, handy, handmade, handcraft. We have lots of things connected with that, right? Well, the Bible has a number of things as well. When they were offering sacrifices, they would have the priests place their hands on like the sin offering, a bull or a goat or whatever. And they were essentially saying, our sin is being represented by this animal. And then they would sacrifice. And in other words, we're getting rid of our sin. They would also use... Um, 
talk about the work of your hands. They would spread out their hands to the Lord. Okay? Now, this had several representations. Sometimes it was at praise, like, you know, when you're celebrating a victory. Or sometimes it was, help me. Take care of me. So, but it was, it was regular in their prayer even to get down on their knees, raise up their hands to heaven, and then bow down unto the Lord. So what was that? It was like recognizing we're in your hands. We recognize we need your help. We recognize that you rule over us. There was lots of connectors, so to speak, with this. When the disciples are talking about Jesus, they say, we touched him. You know, he was physical. This wasn't just an angel or a spirit. There was something real in here. Um, Pilate, when he is disassociating himself from the crucifixion of Jesus, remember him washing his hands? His blood's not on me. In other words, they, they would say, if, if the blood is on someone's house, you're guilty. You help bring death. You've established our hands. You've, you've helped us to accomplish. You remember we were memorizing Psalm 91, and he says, he will command his angels concerning you to lift you up so you don't strike your foot against the stone. And it's that idea of they'll protect you. Clap your hands. That's adds emphasis to whatever you're declaring, right? So that if it's a negative, ha, they, got, they got it. Or if it's a, yeah. Again, it's, it's adding to the emphasis of whatever you're trying to declare. Strike your hands and pledge is one of the, New Test, or the Old Testament ideas. When you're making vows, they would somehow shake hands on it. I like what we do. And it goes on. Rescued from their hands with his, own, with his own hands or take matters into your own hand. Hands that grow slack or limp. It's like that idea of being discouraged or dismayed. Lift their hands in worship. Hands over the mouth is kind of an ashamed thing or I won't say anything. David talks about his hands being trained for battle by God. The folding of the hands is the idea of rest. Throwing up your hands and surrender. So you have all of those overt things. But then it, there's a dimension added that I want to kind of go after for a bit. When... When Jacob was praying over Joseph and Joseph's sons, it says that he places his hands on them and he begins to say, May the God before whom the fathers of Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who has been my shepherd all my life, the angel who has protected me from all harm, bless these boys. So he's making a spiritual declaration in that moment. And he's asking God to 
infuse these boys with the same blessing that he's had. May my name be named in them. May they grow into a multitude on the earth. And then he begins praying with a prophetic insight. And it says that he switched hands, or he crossed his arms, and Jacob, or, uh, Joseph's upset about this. Now, Joseph was one of the younger sons that actually had authority over the older brothers. But he's upset that, that Joseph is, is uh, or Jacob, I'm having a real trouble not confusing these two right now. He's upset that uh, the younger is getting preference over the older. And the response is, well, he's going to be blessed too, but the younger one is going to actually have more blessing in his life. He says, Ephraim, you know, there are nations that are going to come out of him. But he's, he's making a prophetic declaration in that moment with his hands a part of the activity. Here's an even more amazing story to me. When the children of Israel had come out of Egypt and they're in one of their first battles with the Amal uh, Amalekites, Moses goes up on the mount. He's watching the battle. As long as his hands are up, they win they're winning. As soon as his hands come down, they start losing. And they recognize it, so they sit him on a rock and they have Aaron and Hur hold his hands up all the rest of the day. And you're going, why? Except that they're going to have to realize that the victory is from God. And so in some ways, maybe that's one of those nuggets that, you know, is a recognition that when my hands are used in expression with God, I am recognizing His power in this moment. I, I grew up in a church where hands were raised all the time, and I definitely went through a season of, why do we do this? And, you know, it's the same amount of time most times because people's arms get tired and down they come, and I'm going, okay, whatever. It's just how I think, you know. It's, it's like challenge everything, I guess. But it's there's an awareness that sometimes if I'm refusing just because I'm embarrassed of what people will think, where's my heart in this? Or maybe it's, uh, God, I don't have anything except that you come in and work in this moment. Or I, I truly want to give you thanks because... You've brought victory into my life in a way that couldn't have happened anyway except for you. And so it becomes kind of an important thing in that moment of just saying, what, what would be appropriate unto the Lord? But then it, it goes on, and, and Moses, um, when, he, when he's recognizing that Joshua is going to be the next leader, 
there's a commissioning where he lays his hands on Joshua and prays for him that he'll receive the spirit that he's had on him. And so there's a recognition in the Old Testament of this idea of transference of the presence of God even through the hands. Intriguing idea, isn't it? Um, let's go to the New Testament. Jesus makes a declaration. If your hand or your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. How many missing hands in here? We obviously take that as a symbolic thing, right? But we recognize that whatever we're into, there are times when we need to cut those things off of our life so that we can participate in what God has for us. But we recognize it as the work of our hands. Um, the ceremonial washing, it's interesting. The Pharisees were amazed that Jesus didn't wash his hands before a meal. They freaked out. What kind of holy man would do that? Jesus going, it's not about the washing. And yet, um, in James we hear, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and make your hearts pure, you double-minded. So there is, uh, moving into the symbolic side of this, just saying, invest in the right things. And draw near to God, and, and you have the opportunity of him drawing near to you as well. There's a story told of little children being brought to Jesus and the disciples saying, he doesn't have time for this. And Jesus said, you let them come here. And it says that he laid his hands on them and began to pray. And then in another, uh, in Mark, it says, he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them and blessed them. So that was part of his practice. There's a story told of the synagogue leader's daughter who's dying, and the synagogue leader comes to him and says, please come, place your hands on her so that she may be healed. Well, on the way there, he gets a messenger and says she died. And Jesus continues to go to the house, and then it says he gently takes his hand and grasps hers and says, Talitha kum, or a little chill child, get up. And she comes back to life. I like that story about the gentleness because sometimes you can watch Christians get this, if I do it with enough moxie, well then God will surely step in and do something, you know? Shake them real good, that... that that expresses the power of God. <laughs> well, we get, we get all kinds of goofy thoughts, right? It's just like I've watched people who've been touched on the head fall out and just be have incredible spiritual experiences in the Lord while they're laying down. And yet I've also had people pushing on my head, trying to push me over, helping God. And I'm just, I ain't into that. You know, and, and you're left standing and you're kind of going, okay. But when God's in it, it's amazing. You know, and, and it's like, 
okay, I, I, I don't fully get it, but man, I'm open to whatever he has. But the idea of the power of God coming through the hands is, is something that intuitively we're aware that it's there, but we just we don't fully understand it. But we still we look and say, okay, but I'm available to whatever you have. It says of Jesus at the synagogue one, one time when he's, there are a batch of people brought to him. And it just says, he's, and the leaders are going, who is this? And what, why does he have this power? He's placing his hands on people and they're getting healed. What kind of miracle? What's going on? He heals a leper by placing his hands on him. Now, you remember that, that leprosy is a kind of thing that takes pieces, parts off your body. And it was, it was a disease in that day that they had no healing for, and so they would put the lepers outside the camp and say, don't you touch anyone. And yet Jesus comes and puts his hands on the guy, you know, breaking every convention, but then he heals him. And so he's going, I'm not afraid of him of infecting me. I'm going to change him through the power of God. You know, and so it's, it's which way does the, the power flow? The disease coming on or him addressing it and overcoming it? He heals a deaf man the same way. He heals a blind man the same way. He heals various diseases, it says. You know, there's a setting where everyone gets healed. He's placing his hands on them. The woman that's been bent over for 18 years, she's healed. It's interesting to me that when he's dying, he makes this declaration, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. So, this life is over. It's yours. <laughs> Deed is done. Father, do whatever you're going to do. After the resurrection, it says that he gathers together those that are around him and he blesses them before he enters into heaven. But a declaration is also made at the end of the Mark's Gospel, he says, this is also going to accompany those who follow the Lord. So it, it, it goes and it, and it says, they will place hands on the sick and they will be well. Now we've seen some of that and we've seen some of the prophetic, certainly not at the the rate that we would enjoy, but at the same time, enough to let us know there's something there even if we don't get it and figure it all out. A certain wonder that God would even do that. Listen to this out of uh, Acts. Many miraculous signs and wonders came among the people through the hands of the apostles. When they were appointing deacons to help take care of the widows, What's it say about them? They said they brought the men that they had 
selected as being good leaders and capable. And it says the apostles placed their hands on them and prayed over them. There was a commissioning going on. But there was that asking for the power of God to imbue these guys. In Acts chapter 8, Peter goes to the Samaritans. He's heard that they've come to the Lord, and he prays that the Holy Spirit will come upon them, and it does. In fact, there's a man named Simon who's going, I'll pay you for that. Teach me how to do that. And they're going, no, 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 it doesn't work this way. But the idea that he recognizes that something is happening when they lay hands on them is pretty amazing to me. In Acts chapter 9, Saul, who becomes Paul, comes to the Lord. He has that experience with heaven. He's blind. And the Lord tells him, there's a man named Ananias that's going to come to you. He's going to place hands on you. And he's going to pray, and you're going to receive your sight back, and you're also going to receive the Holy Spirit. And then God talks to Ananias, says the same thing. The two of them meet, and it happens. In Acts chapter 13, the New Testament church is praying about what do we do and, and reaching out, and, and the Holy Spirit says, speaks to their hearts and says, you know, they've been fasting and praying, and, and it says, separate from me, Paul and Barnabas. In other words, Select these two and send them out. So what do they do? They continue to fast and pray, and they place their hands on them and commission them and saying, God is calling you. Out you go. May the power of God rest on you. Acts chapter 14, many signs and wonders were done by these guys. So again, God is working through them. Acts chapter 19, Paul goes into Ephesus, and he's talking to them, and he says, have you received the Holy Spirit? And they're going, we don't even know what the Holy Spirit is. Places his hands on them and they receive. It also says in that same chapter that Paul did extraordinary miracles by placing his hands on people. In Acts chapter 28, there's some, uh, Paul, remember, has had a shipwreck and uh, the community leader's name is Publius, and his father is very sick. In fact, it says he he's, has a high fever and has dysentery. Again, that's somebody you should not touch. God bless you from a distance, right? Paul goes, places his hands on him, and the man is healed. So we look at that and we're going, okay, I may not understand all of this, but it certainly is a part of Christian practice. And I ought to be willing to step forward in the same way. Listen to this out of Timothy. Paul's writing his letter to him and he goes, do not neglect the spiritual gift you have given to you and confirmed by prophetic words when the elders laid hands on you. So the, there's an affirmation that comes prophetically as people are praying over him. And that isn't quite as clear that the gift came in that moment, but then Paul says, um, I remind you in, in 2 Timothy, he says, rekindle God's gift that you possess through the laying on of my hands. 
Intriguing, huh? That Paul prays into this man and a gift that begins to flourish. How many of you have had distinct sensations of, say, heat or such when somebody's placed their hands and prayed for you? <laughs> That's quite a few, isn't it? Can't explain it, but it does happen at times. That It breaks into our physical senses in a way that just lets us know that we know. Very wonderful that God would do that. It's no obligation, but it does happen. How many have had hands placed on you and somebody started praying stuff that you know they couldn't know, but it is very defining for your life? Can you place your hands high rather than... Okay, thank you. Yeah. So... There's something to this, even though we may not understand it all, right? How many feel like they have had people pray for them and they've received healing? Thank you. That's pretty significant in a group this size, right? kind of lets us know that things happen even in this day. One last verse. I want men in every place to pray, lifting up holy hands without anger or dispute. So look at your hands again. You have a choice how you use them, right? You have a choice. And you have an opportunity in the Lord that you're going, it isn't me. But if God wants to use that, I'm completely willing to let that happen. He says, don't get caught up on the anger side of life that uses your hands to destroy but rather lift up holy hands to the Lord. Saying, God, you are wondrous and awesome. I uh, admit that I need you, but I acknowledge that you also want to work through me. So we say, enable us to use our hands for your work. We know we're not perfect. No question. I can tell you that. <laughs> but we're imperfect creatures that our God has chosen to use anyway, which is wondrous and powerful. And so we, we look at a passage like this Hebrews passage and we say, reacquaint us with those truths even if we've lost them at times. Bring those things back to us that are available to us. Let us use our hands for the purposes of your ministry.
whether that be an assisting a person or the supernatural, we really don't care. Just that we would be your hands extended wherever we go. Thanks to the Lord. Lord, I pray that for each one here, that when they look at their hands, you will give them insight as to who they are, but also who they can become. And that you would use their hands for your honor and glory. And we pray that even in this group that there would be prophetic gifts coming forth as people lay their hands on others. I pray that there would be miraculous gifts coming forth, that there would be healing as they lay their hands on others. I pray that there would be arms outstretched to you in acknowledgement of the wonder of who you are. Let us recover some of these things, Lord, and use them for your good. Amen. I want to pray for God's blessing on you. What I do is um, something that came as a result of a, kind of an open vision years ago. I grew up in a tradition that didn't have blessings at the end of service. And uh, never really knew about it. And yet I felt like, well, I had seen myself praying for blessing over people. And I thought, if I don't start now, I never will. Got to learn how to do this. And it's kind of taken on its own life. So even though virtually, I say virtually the same thing every week, there's something in this. So here we go. <laughs> May your blessing rest on these, your people. May they know the fullness of favor that you intend for their lives. May they discover what it, with joy what it is to be held by your hands and to be your hands extended to others. I ask as each one goes into the community that you'll give them words of life to speak over others, enable them to carry out the workings of your kingdom, gift them with the supernatural. Be lifted up and exalted, our Lord, we pray. We love you this day. Amen. God bless you.